Richards Bowie versus Tillian. Is this year when I'm glowy? Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy or a villain. It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. I'm Charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake and I love Dylan. Hey, welcome back, fans and oh. well-wishers to oh. a, a long-overdue return to form. Yeah. Another year saw fit to end, and that means that we've got another year to talk about That's right. what David Bowie and Bob Dylan did. Mm-hmm. And by David Bowie and Bob Dylan, we mean Bob Dylan <laughs> and David Bowie's estate. Yes, which is a very active and busy estate, as it turns out. It, it is, as always, and Bewildering, bewildering as always. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you realize this, Jake, but we are currently recording on January 8th. It won't go live till January 15th. It's January 8th when we're recording this, which means it's David Bowie's birthday! Oh, Woo! I didn't even know! Woo! Oh. Oh. Well, one of my Bowie shirts you're right, wearing, right now. Uh, you're wearing a, a series of Bowie photos in sub- suggestive poses. Well, it's the, the photo shoot that was used as reference photos for the painting on the cover of Diamond Dogs. Oh, right. So yeah, everybody, everybody knows that. that. Is a dog, and uh-huh. then that would be the cover of Diamond Dogs. Yeah, so he didn't actually grow dog legs for the shoot. You're saying no? That he was... wasn't. He apparently wasn't that dedicated. Oh, come on, man! If he was Tom Cruise or something, he would have grown dog legs. <laughs> he would have done it. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis would have method acted that those dog legs. <laughs> anyway, Bowie is its 75th birthday. 75. Wow, 75. Jake. Did Dylan ever turn seventy-five, Jake? Uh, well, yeah, did one he? time. Yeah, it was actually did he? it was actually five years ago because. No, but did he? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, okay. he may have been fudging his age. Maybe he's only sixty something. He certainly looks like a young man. Masquerading <laughs> no, as an older man. No, that is completely. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Oh, I kind of. I think he's kind of got a youthful spry thing going on these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of that Simpsons moment where Mr. Burns tries to uh, pretend to be a school child too. <laughs> yeah. Convince the school oh, yeah. to side over the oil rights. That's disturbing. <laughs> uh, I'm also thinking of like Steve Martin. Like some guys have been old since 1973, and I think Dylan is one of those guys. Yeah, there you go. I mean, Steve Martin's hey. youthful. He just has white hair. Well, yeah, white kids. People with white hair are, are really cool, Jake. Uh, that's what I hear. Premature graying. Oh yeah, is really is really awesome. Charlie it's and I really are just good. stroking our prematurely graying hair in the. <laughs> In the FaceTime as we speak. But I want everyone to know that mine is more prematurely gay, it's gray than Yes, Jake, by so. definition, um, both in both in volume and because you're two years younger than me. So it's, it's even it's more impressive. All right, so this bickering right now reminds me of something <laughs> important here. And that is that, yeah. now, Boy vs. Dylan has run its course. We just dumped a whole bunch of Louder Than Sound in yeah, the baby. Boy vs. Dylan <laughs> podcast. Because Louder Than Sound... Was a thing we tried that didn't work out exactly. No. And so we got to think about where we're at in career. We hit things off with just gigantic success. <laughs> That's right. With Boy versus Dylan. Everybody <laughs> loved it. First album right off the classic first album. <laughs> uh-huh. Then we tried something different, a little more sophisticated. They didn't catch on and no one was really like, No. Mm-hmm. Sophomore jinx. Sophomore jinx. And now we're slightly floundering. And it's it's time for our solo career phase, Jake, where we both release solo albums. Oh, this is sad, and come though. come back together later on. 
Oh, okay, all right. Well, we're together right and now. By, this and is by that I'm just I'm just announcing that I'm starting a blog. Okay, <laughs> go go for that's it. That's what I'm saying. It's my solo career. It's starting a blog. I'm confused about your rock I'm metaphors right now, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I started a blog. It's already live now. What? You'll be listening to this on January 15th or later, which oh. means there are at least three posts whenever you get to it. Wow. The name of the blog is driving me backwards. And it's about Brian Eno from 1971 to 1983. I've never heard of him, but I think that I think that's probably you know there's a niche audience well, out there. Listeners know we fought about Brian Eno on multiple occasions <laughs> for no reason at all. For no reason, he does like Brian Eno because we both like him. Yeah, but you like him like a sometimes. lot. You like him a well, lot clearly, more than I do. Clearly, but you like get all up in my grill as if you hated him, and you clearly don't. You like him. I think I think I'm just projecting my hatred, my my complicated hatred towards you onto Brian oh. Eno. That makes sense. Don't, yeah. don't get Brian and Eno in the middle of this. He's, you know? a, he's a balding dictator of music. He's not part of the divorce, a, okay? <laughs> you can have him. You go for it. Anyway, you can, uh, it, it'll, it's live at drivingmebackwards.wordpress.com. Wow, congratulations. The whole thing is about, I know, it's going. Uh, and it's all about different stuff that Brian Eno did. Because he, in that period, that like 12-year period I just described, he was involved with somewhere around 70 albums. 70? Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. I originally intended to do this longer, but uh, that was as many as I thought I could handle under any circumstances whatsoever. Uh, yeah. I can't no, believe you're not dead yet. There's an intro up there. There's an article about the very first studio album he appeared on, which was by Cornelius Cardew and the Scratch Orchestra. Everyone's heard of them. Everyone's heard of them for sure. Uh, it's, there's an album by John Cale, Fear, which you know was involved in. Coming soon is collaborations with Kevin Ayers and Nico. Wow. Uh, the No Wave compilation, No New York. An African band named Eddie Kampfo, uh, Harmonia, one of my favorite German krautrock bands, yes. and the self-proclaimed world's worst orchestra, Portsmouth Symphonia. So those are some, <laughs> those are some on the way in the coming weeks and months. Uh, could you just name all seventy albums right now for the for no, the I listeners? Cannot, oh, okay. No, I can't. All right, well that's that's cool. Only only uh, ten of those were solo albums, by the way. Uh, only. Only. <laughs> yeah. Only ten. Only ten. Yeah, this came up with me like wanting to know more about some of his weird collaborations and finding not finding like a source that just gave it all to me. So I thought, yeah, which is kind of interesting that yeah, there isn't that I'm resource. It, I'm gonna do it myself. You're I'm the resource, man. This yeah. is like this is like when I attempted to put the uh, put down on lyrics.com the lyrics to Bob Dylan's rap to that Curtis Blow yeah. song, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> I was like, well, what more do you need? I'm sitting right here. I got it. It's not on the internet. What's what's wrong with the, this world? We're trying to put stuff on the internet. We're trying to contribute. Yeah. Not, we're not takers. You know, we're givers. We givers. want to make our mark, you know? Right. In right. a positive way. All right. So it's drivingmebackwards.wordpress.com. Otherwise, okay. I'll put some posts about this on our website. That's right. BowieVersusDylan.com, which is www.BowieVSDylan.com. Hey, all right. We haven't, like, promoted that in a while. Link it you in there. You can also email us at BowieVSDylan.com. At gmail.com. Yes, please do. Tell us we how any, we much... We haven't gotten any emails in a while. I miss them. That's because we don't put up new because episodes Because we stopped anymore. doing the podcast. I know. I know. I still miss them. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to do more, I think. All right, Jake. Do you... I was thinking you should give us some sweet seat, Dylan. Let's do your weird game between yeah. the two segments. Okay. All right. As a palate cleanser? As a palate cleanser, All right. Yeah. All right. I like that. It's just going to be disgusting when we talk about Dylan. This is just I like... Bad taste in, I got a bad taste in my mouth already. Well, this is just our improvisation part of the podcast. We're like, whoa, what's going on? Let's just make it up as we go. Because usually <laughs> we're so, you know, determined to be on, on track with what we talk about that. I mean, yeah, um, well, so listeners, we have a weird game that Jake invented for between <laughs> yeah. our Dylan and Bowie segments. But 
Give us some sweet, sweet Dylan. All right. Take us, take us All home, right. Jake. Take well, us home. unlike unlike uh, David Bowie, Bob Dylan continued to be alive in 2021. Uh, you know, with the pandemic... One point for you, Bob. <laughs> one point for you. <laughs> Score one for Bob. Still alive. In fact, he turned 80 this year. It was, uh, you know, one of those round number birthdays that everyone gets all kind of bent out of shape about. Now, everyone has written about Bob Dylan so much that I think that people were having trouble trying to figure out what, how to, like, uh, write about him in any sort of new way, being 80. Like, he could have been 70 or 75 or 79 or 80, and everyone's like, it's Bob Dylan's birthday. Oh, which uh, I'm just wondering what everyone's going to come up with when he turns 100 and 110 and then 130, 150. You know what I mean? What are they going to There will be no more words left to write. Anyway, that happened in May. He turned 80. But before that, he released kind of an interesting uh, little little tiny, you know, box set. Not anything super deluxe by any means. But it was it was uh, it was a copyright dump. They've been doing this in England for several years. They'll take a year, say 1963 or 1964, mm-hmm. and anything they haven't previously released, and by that I mean whoever owns their music, his music right now, uh, this was before he sold all of his music for $4 trillion. Or was yeah, it in 2020? That was his publishing rights, right? Not his recordings? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So the recordings are still his. That's that's still this is still good. That doesn't change this at all. Yeah. So I've been learning a lot about this because Bowie just they just sold Bowie's publishing. And I'm glad you did some week. research on that because uh, this is an entirely different conversation or uh, expanded conversation about all of these artists selling all of their publishing rights yeah. and everything. I saw just just as an aside. So what? But so Dylan, we think we he got 400 mil. Bowie got 250. I read yep. that Bruce Springsteen got five. He was a big one. He got 500 mil, but that was for everything. Publishing he sold rights, his, yeah, recordings. Yeah, he sold his recordings, too. So that's yes. recordings. And, and, and Dylan, Dylan did not. Bowie only sold publishing rights, which is just like the song. Right. Because of the rights to the song, having written the compo- composition of the songs. That's just right. the actual recordings that they made of their own songs. Right, so the masters the and all that kind of stuff. The publishing is writing yeah. their songs, the actual compositions themselves. That's right. And, uh, and Dylan also did not sell his publishing rights going forward. So the next 2,000 songs he writes before he's 150, all yeah. his, baby. All his. He's just double-dipping. Same, same, thing, with, same thing with Bowie. If you okay. write any more songs, they're still, they're still his. <laughs> you know, we'll from see. the grave, uh, kind of a... When he's a hologram, you know, from the future. Yeah. The, that head yeah, when the, a, did when he the have, AI David Bowie of the future starts writing songs, those are not going to be covered under this agreement. Did he have his own head in Futurama? His own, uh, own waterhead? I can't remember who all had a head. A lot of people did. Yeah, they did. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if David Bowie had his own head. Okay. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that uh, <laughs> Bob Dylan or Columbia or Sony or Re- uh, not Reprise Legacy, whoever it is that owns all this stuff now, they brought their own little special copyright dump to the United States this year. Hey. It was 1970 with special guest George Harrison. Hey, I forgot that that thing happened this yeah, year. Yeah, and that was way uh, that was in February. So I actually kind of forgot that it was in 2021 too. I I don't know about you, but like 2020 and 2021 have all kind of like merged one together. Giant year that lasted 20 years. Yes, that lasted 20 yeah. years, but somehow went by on the snap of a finger. I don't understand what's happening. Anyway, uh, so this one is kind of a you know. At, I thought it was kind of an uh, when I heard about it, I thought it was a little bit unnecessary because Chaz, I have a I have another a game for you that precedes 
the weird game that has nothing to do with Bowie versus Dylan that we're going to do yeah. later. Mm-hmm. This one has everything to do with Bob Dylan. <clears throat> it's called How Many Self-Portraits Are There? <laughs> Question mark. Is there more blood and more tracks? In uh, this no. Game? No, this has nothing mm-hmm. to do with blood or tracks. This is all self-portraits all the time. Okay. How many self-portraits do you think there have been of Bob Dylan's throughout the years? I, I, I did some research on this. Are we talking about ones he actually drew, or are we talking about like the album self-portrait and another self-portrait? And yeah, I want the albums. Um, he album. probably drew, you know, anywhere from two to a thousand self-portraits, <laughs> painting-wise. We don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, there's at least three because there's self-portrait, the actual album that he didn't want really. It was just an odds and sods something. I think the record label felt put together from remembering right. No, so, another so, self-portrait. Okay, yeah, go, yeah, go, keep going. Which I think was a bootleg series, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. I remember right. And then this one was like covering the exact same territory. Mm-hmm. There's probably another one in between somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with four. Okay, I'm gonna go with four. four. That's, that's a good guess. I'm gonna go through them really quickly as to how many self-portraits there actually are. In 1970, there is the self-portrait, Bob Dylan. Yeah, right. Self-portrait. He drew the self-portrait of himself. It's on the cover. This is the odds and sods kind of a thing that he was yeah. that he was doing that everyone like literally hated and threw. Oh, yeah. It was like when Lennon said the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. People were just uh-huh. chucking records into a bonfire because they hated it so much. <laughs> okay, that's self-portrait. There's one. Uh-huh. The next self-portrait is actually his next album called New Morning, which was mm. an album of original material but was recorded and written at the exact same time that all the recordings of self-portrait were going on. So... If you think about it, it's kind of like self-portrait was him covering a bunch of people and being weird, but it's like another self-portrait of him painting himself at that time in 1970. Okay. <laughs> so it's a portrait of him painting his own self-portrait? That's it. That's it. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Okay. It's more original, you know, than the other self-portrait. So that's another right. self-portrait, which brings us to 1973 and the immortal album Dylan from 1973. <laughs> this was uh, this was during the split between Bob Dylan and Columbia Records, the, the yep. brief split that they had. Uh, and, uh, and The trial separation. The trial separation that was nonetheless ugly and disturbing wow. and nobody liked it. Um, and so the record label released outtakes from the self-portrait slash New Morning uh, oh, wow. sessions and called it Dylan. And, uh, and it's really bad. But so this is the voyeur across the street who took a picture of you while you were painting your self-portrait. Yeah, but then somehow had the rights to it to release it. <laughs> That's Columbia Records. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it was actually your wife, you know, right before you, and then you were separated, and then she poured that around. And then she. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make this metaphor as tenuous as possible, Jim. I visited a prostitute one time in World War II, and you never let me hear the end of it. Let's spread it really thin. All right, so 1973's Dylan is another, another self-portrait. Now, we're going to flash forward 30 years. Mm. 40 years, excuse me. 40 years to 2013. That's a long time without self-portraits. I know. I mean, no self-portraits in that time? What gives? Uh, Bootleg Series Volume 10, which is called officially Another Self-Portrait, that is outtakes and different versions and demos from from that very same recording session uh, over the course of a few months in 1970 that produced all this other music. Uh, that is called Another Self-Portrait, but they lied. That's actually Another, Another, Another Self-Portrait. Okay. Which finally brings us to... Bob Dylan, 1970, with special guest George Harrison, which is yet more outtakes and demos 
and Bob just noodling, Bob noodling and doodling around <laughs> over the course of two outtakes from the outtakes. Yeah, from the outtakes. And this is one of those deals. I don't know if Can I don't you know. Imagine if, how good the stuff is that's left. Can you imagine how amazing the next self-portrait will be? I mean, this one is another, 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 another self-portrait. <laughs> that's that's self-portrait times four. That's Dylan painting himself. Painting himself, painting himself, <laughs> yeah, painting himself. That's right. Painting a self-portrait of himself. That's right. And then making sure that he has the rights to and all the self-portraits. Painting himself, painting himself, painting a photograph someone else took of him, painting himself, painting himself. Mm-hmm. And also, I paid money for it. For it. I just paid money for it. <laughs> it's three disc. It's a three-disker. Yeah, well, that's five self-portraits. You know, four and others, one self-portrait. Four, okay, four plus okay. one. That's five. That's five self-portraits that have been painted, or at least released. <laughs> now, it's hard to imagine that there's anything left on this bone, you know, because this is like, uh, you know, on, on the track listing, it, it lists what day, you know, all of this happens. So he would just come in and be like, let's sing this old Johnny Cash song. And his band would try to keep up with them, and they would play it. Um, and it was just the entire, I don't know if David Bowie has anything analogous to this. This is a very Bob Dylan thing, I find, where, like, uh, you know, we were joking about more blood, more tracks. Uh-huh. That's just everything that he put on, saying into a microphone for like six days. Every single thing. You know what I mean? And Bowie so, has nothing like that whatsoever. Nothing like that. This is a very, I don't know, you know, there was a Joni Mitchell box set that was released recently that I actually almost bought. The volume, the archives volume two, where it's her working yeah. out her most famous songs from that period. And so that that's kind of like that. Neil Young has done stuff like that, but it's like. By the way, that Joni Mitchell campaign, I am like jealous. Of oh, it's so good. Campaign. I want all my favorite artists to have that campaign right yes, there. Yes, because there's Make an it actual. Happen, all my favorite artists. I don't care about Joni Mitchell personally. I do. But I do. It feels a real boon Joni. to everybody who's a fan. I know. I know. I'd, I'd say Bob Dylan, for the most part, gets seventy-five or eighty percent of the way there. But what's nice about, I was reading the Pitchfork review of it just yesterday. It actually like gives an arc to things rather than just dumping mm-hmm. every single thing out. It's like, this is this cool song that you love from back then. And here's how it started. And here is another important part of it. Here's her singing live, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's actual thought put into it rather than just like, mm-hmm. here it all is. Now <laughs> I will, I will uh, give this points later. I'm uh, you know, spoiler alert. It's not as bad as you think it is, which is shocking. Okay. 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 All right. Let's move on to August. And let's move on to kind of a difficult conversation, Chaz. Uh, oh? Okay, well, occasionally we, have to, occasionally we have to get a little serious at Bowie versus Dylan. You've had to do it before, and I'm having to do it now. In August of 2021, uh, Dylan was sued by an anonymous woman who claimed that he, in 1965, groomed, drugged, and sexually abused her over the period oh, yeah. of six weeks in April and May of 1965, when she was... Uh, purportedly 12 years old. Okay. Okay. So that that just kind of like dropped right out of there. Right. I remember that coming out. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this is, you know, this is a this is a legal matter. It's a woman from Connecticut. Right. She actually, you know, uh, her and her lawyer, uh, there was some sort of statute of limitations that ended in that state or in New York or something like that. And so this woman came forward. Now, um, it should be said that Bob Dylan has had some strange relationships with women over the years. Uh, certainly in the late 80s, he had a secret wife um, who was one of his backup singers who um, I don't know a lot about that situation. I don't think that anybody really does, but he did have a child with her 
and sort of the accusations or the, <clears throat> the culture around that was that he kind of like kept her and his daughter like kind of not locked but like sequestered in this mansion in California to shield himself and them from uh, paparazzi and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. it was kind of like I locked my wife and my child in this in right. this house for a period of you know a number of years, at least a couple of years. Um, and so, other than that, though, and I and I might be totally wrong about this, and so people can people can you know this is where we're not experts on the situation. I don't think that Bob Dylan has had many other sort of incidents where he's been accused of things, especially right. of the severity of this nature. Right. Um, Dylanologists have also gone back. Um, because the woman was very specific about where, which was the Chelsea Hotel in New York City, and over a period of what time, which was April, six weeks in April, May 1965, that this whole thing kind of happened. Uh-huh. Now, it's true that she could be misrecollecting, that she has the dates kind of wrong. You know, that was a long, long time ago. Survivors of abuse often have, you know, lapses and gaps in their memories um, surrounding their abuse and stuff like that. So it shouldn't be taken as, you know, biblical that that's when it happened. But... Dylan L. just have gone back and said, you know, basically there's no way that this could have happened during the time period that she says it could have happened based on Bob's touring schedule, based mm-hmm. on all the, because right, he was so famous then. He was like the Beatles or Bowie later where it was like, we know where Bob Dylan was this day. Right. We know where he was this yeah, day. Almost, we know where he was. Almost every day of the entire We know where year, he yeah. was at 1 p.m. on April 12th, uh-huh. you know, 1965 or whatever. So it seems like the accusations... Uh, may not be credible, but that's kind of a matter for the courts and, and a matter for the law. So I just had to mention it, you know. Yeah. Kind of a serious, kind of a serious thing that happened. Um, Bob, we're hoping it's not true, but you know. I hope it's not true because this is basically, I mean, besides, you know, of course, the severity of somebody who's been through some of that trauma. Like as a Bob Dylan fan, divorced from you know interpersonal things, like that's you don't want to hear that about your guy, you know. No. You know, you didn't no. want to hear it about David Bowie when no, there he was had the, his there thing. No, there were a couple, couple kind of stories in there. That yeah. One, one of which was definitely not credible, but the other one probably was. I don't know. Right. And then, of course, you have, and again, a huge other separate conversation. There was a culture, especially in Europe, in, in England with the, with the rock stars, Led Zeppelin, Bowie, mm-hmm. a bunch of others, where you would have teenage girlfriends. That was like a thing. Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. They're singing about it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so, yes. I mean, that stuff, it wasn't cool then, but it's certainly not cool to talk about now. No. And that's but, more of a cultural shift. Like, yep. yeah. But, yep. But you still, don't, you still don't want to hear that happen. So here's yeah, hoping thanks. it's not true, but here's hoping if it is true that, you know, everything works out for the victim in that scenario. All right. Let's move to something a little sunnier, depending on your point of view, because we're going to talk about September 17th, 2021, the Bootleg Series, Volume 16. Springtime in New York from the (laughs) legendary years 1980 through 1985. Which are not legendary years, but they're assuming this one next, (laughs) This covers the album Shot of Love from 1981. This covers the album Infidels from 1983. This covers the album Empire Burlesque. Empire Burlesque. Empire Burlesque, which is a terrible, terrible album. Just terrible. Uh, And it does not 
for some reason cover the album Knocked Out Loaded from 1986. I was hoping they just get all the terrible albums right out of the way. Like, let's just... Just let's... It's like a band-aid. <laughs> rip it right off. Rip yep. it, all the bad stuff. But suppose, you know, who knows what they're going to do with this 1986, 1987, 88 period. I'm sure that's another terrible, you know, kind of period that they're going to read. Well, this is when we find out, you know, the classic Dylan anecdote of which he recorded a whole bunch of songs and only put one of them on the actual album and picked all the bad ones. Yeah. So let me find out how true that is. Like, it's, he's got this hidden vault of all these amazing alternate versions of these albums that for some reason he didn't release. It's very true that he, his instincts were like almost reverse instincts. Like, they were so bad <laughs> that he, anything that he could come up with um, that was, that everyone else around him considered good, he either tinkered with to the point where he destroyed what was good about it Version after version, re- redoing the lyrics, redoing, you know, the kind of the production values behind it. Or he just left, he just left it off, you know? Do you remember that episode of Seinfeld in which George decides to go against, realizes that all his instincts are terrible? Yes. Decides to do exactly the opposite yes. of all of his instincts. And his life goes amazing. Yes. And he gets his hot girlfriend and, you know, like yeah. all kinds of things go right for him. Yep. I think Bob Dylan should have... I, mean, I wish that, was... that episode had been made and that Dylan had watched it before this period. Yeah, yeah. This should have been an episode of, like, Cheers or something. He could have watched it and been like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't I'm do... my entire life based on this episode of the sitcom. Don't do Done. what I want to do. Got it. Check. <laughs> um, this, uh, of course... Uh, the bootleg series is a very, you know, vaunted uh, series of, of music. Um, it's an institution, Jake. It's an institution. I love everything about it. I love it so much that I actually bought, like, basically two versions of it for a lot of money. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And I, I actually would just want to, I feel like this is kind of a super deluxe therapy session right now. I have I have to talk <laughs> with you about this because you yeah. got to help me figure out what to do. Uh, should I do that now or should we do that in points? Let's do it in points. Okay, we'll do it in points. Um, so this was uh, this collection is Bob's outtakes, demos, working it out with his band, his various crack band members throughout this entire period from 1980 to 1985. He was just, let it not be said that he wasn't working as hard as humanly possible. He wrote so many songs. He worked so hard on them. But again, when it came time to get that deal done, to make a decent album. Now, people think Infidels is a classic. It's rated one of his essential albums on Apple Music for some reason. Wow. I personally, I guess it was his comeback uh, at the time, and people are, I think the critics at the time who loved it and were, you know, so glad that he wasn't doing his Christian trilogy stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think all these years later, they're like, they, they're, cl- <clears throat> they're clinging to their takes from that time period. Mm, they're like, nostalgia. oh, it's actually classic, right, guys? Let's, yeah. Let's pump it plus, up. I was, plus, I was 19 when it came out, and it really was really good at the time. <laughs> I really liked it then. Yeah. Um, uh, I was playing when I made out with my, my girlfriend. Yeah. I like his, she's my wife. I like his various screeds on anti-globalism. <laughs> Union Sundown's a banger. <laughs> um, and so, since that period... People um, have, I think, somewhat rightly assumed that the songs were actually good. It was the production values that were actually bad. You'll, uh, sharp-eared listeners will recall that Infidels was the album that David Bowie was supposed to. or he, no, was, he was asked to. He had he been reached no. out to. Yeah, he wasn't supposed yeah. to because he never said yes. Bowie. The closest they came to actually working. Oh, can you imagine? I know. It's just like, I feel like... I feel like an alternate universe, in an alternate universe, that happened. Bowie's not dead. He somehow didn't get cancer. I don't know. 
it all could have been different. Dylan. Yeah, they could have been like, buddies. Dylan showed him the fan found him a youth that's keeping him alive. Yeah, he was like <laughs> century and a half. He was like, "Hey, David, come here. <laughs> Check this." Your best friends just <laughs> palling around Europe, making terrible music together, all eighties long. All eighties long. Uh, falling out at the end of the eighties when they both cleaned up a little bit. That's right. When they both like stopped being alcoholics, and they're like, "Wait, I'm friends with you? What?" <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a dream. I thought you were a vision. All this time. Your beautiful face. It's not so beautiful anymore. <laughs> uh, Bowie's was beautiful at that time. Bowie it was, was a good Dylan was, was Dylan was not. No. No. Mm-mm. No, not classically beautiful. Um I don't know how to describe it. Froey? I don't know. <laughs> really really froey? They could have done Dancing in the Street together. They could have brought him in for oh, that. Man. An alternate universe in which it's Kick Dylan stupid Mick Jagger. Jagger right out of oh, there. My gosh. Let's get oh. the real BFFs up in here. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon from BVD Press. Oh, an man. An alternate universe tale of two best friends that never were. It could have been. <laughs> you and me, Bob, we come, still, we come from different worlds. But that's what makes it work, David. <laughs> Bowie plus Dylan. <laughs> Bowie and Dylan. Not versus. Dylan, not versus. Not versus. Bowie, Bowie and Dylan. It should have been. Forever. BFF. Oh, man. Oh, well. Uh, as it is, we have Infidels produced by Mark Knopfler. And so um, the, the thrust, the main thrust of the box set is about Infidels because everyone... I th- it is the best album from that period by far. Sure, uh, sure. So you had Knopfler. It only says so much. You, uh, he released three singles, um, all from all from the box set, and two of them are uh, videos where it's just uh, footage of the band making a video for the real songs at the time, but then, oh, like kind of synced up with the outtake versions. So this is like another. So it's like infidels? another. It's like another infidels. <laughs> it's like more infidelity, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> infinite infidels. Infinite, infinite infidelity. <laughs> but it's hilarious because this was the period where um, he he brought in the great Jamaican drum and bass duo Sly and Robbie. So, like, there's Mark Knopfler, who's just, like, half bald, and his hair is all, like, flopping all over the place. Dylan with his yep. huge fro. Everybody, uh-huh. everybody in the craziest, not crazy, everybody in the most 80s things you can imagine, you know, wearing. Like, boat jackets and Zubas. I don't know. The whole thing is going on. <laughs> and Sly and Robbie, you know, look like they got on a plane from Jamaica. Maybe they had. I don't know. You know, shirts buttoned down to nowhere. Just looking... <laughs> Amazing, and all these guys are in a room together, like it's wood paneled room. I'm sure it smelled of rich mahogany, and they're all just—they're just jamming to these terrible Bob Dylan songs. I mean, it's a—it's a delight. Don't get me wrong; it's great. You should watch one. It's funny. Um, uh, I think I said earlier that everyone assumed that the songs were good, the production was bad. I think that that's at least partly true, and I have a—I have a Bob Dylan. Super Deluxe Bad 80s Album Matrix to present to you on this subject. Listeners, okay. listeners remember with the Bad 80s albums, I used to do a Bob Dylan Bad 80s Albums Matrix where I'd ask Chaz a bunch of questions about, about the songs on the albums and, and sort of the characteristics of them. So I'm going to do that for the entirety of this box set. All right, right let's do and it. Maybe, and maybe that could kind of illuminate what I'm talking about here. All right, Chaz, 
This was a five-disc Super Deluxe box. Okay, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. how many total songs are there? Straight 100. No. Even 100 tracks. It's 57, which is crazy. What? Seems kind of low. Seems really low. Yeah, I think that they were... They could have crammed that onto two. <laughs> They probably could have. Oh, you know how they got to do, though. They got to put it thematically with the albums and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) Okay. How many of those 57 songs are original Bob Dylan songs? Now, remember. We don't have any song he wrote, not like they're a new song. Right, any song that he wrote, because uh, uh, some portion of them are covers because he was kind of doing, again, he was kind of doing like a self-portrait thing where he's like, I'm going to jam this out. This other person. 45. Oh, that's pretty good. 51 are originals. Oh. All right, now you're getting the hang of it, which means 16 of them are covers. How many of those songs are pretty darn good? Like, I like them. Out of 57. Like, I like them kind of a lot. 23. I'm going to go with 10. <laughs> There's 10. Oh, okay. And, but All I'm right. talking like, I really like them. There's other oh, okay. ones that All I right. like, appreciate. But, like, I like 10 of them. All right, how many of them veer straight into the classic Simpsons Can I Borrow a Feeling trope (laughs) of bad 80s songwriting? And we can sing the song if people want to know what I'm talking about. It's the episode where Milhouse's dad and mom uh, get separated and then divorced. And Milhouse's dad enlists at a birthday party a uh, some members of the Doobie Brothers, who are the house band. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. Can I borrow a feeling? Can I lend me a glove of love? <laughs> Hurting hearts are for say. healing. Put your hand in my glove oh, yeah. of love. It was a jar of love, really, I think. A jar of something? Oh, whatever. I'm going to go with 29. Okay, there's 14 that are like oh, right. straight. But I'm talking like actual crappy Can I Borrow a Feeling okay, songs. Right. Like they could have been written by The Simpsons. Maybe <clears> they were doing his songs. As the parody. I don't know. <laughs> Secretly written by Bob How Dylan. many of the 57 tracks feature Bob Dylan at his absolute peak, nasally voice Bob Dylan? 30. That's all of them. 57 songs. Oh, okay. All of them. <laughs> I thought about saying that. I feel like I'm way off. I'm really... I'm really well, we haven't done this in a while. Today. We haven't done this in a while. I'm out of practice. All right. Um, how many are... Shockingly faithful and seriously attempted covers of Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. <laughs> How many? Four. There's one, because there's, oh. there can only be one. Chaz, <laughs> if you want to give yourself a treat, and I don't know if this is on Apple Music, go and listen to Bob Dylan's cover of Sweet Caroline. Like, he actually, he actually does it, Chaz, with a band. Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline, like, bum, 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 uh-huh. never seems so good, like the whole <laughs> bit. I can't believe it. It's amazing. All right, and as a final, uh, as a final note here on the uh, bad 80s album, Bob Dylan Matrix, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine song titles of Bob Dylan originals that he made during this time period. And I just want you to let, first of all, let them wash over you. These yeah, are well, great. Yep, these are yep. great. These are classic Bob Dylan song titles from 1980s. And then I just want you to think, you know, let them come to you as if they were clouds floating through the sky or whatever. Of like, what's your favorite? And what's okay. the worst? It could be the same. Okay. I don't know. Right, what's yeah, your favorite? Yeah. What's your worst? Here's okay. nine. Here's nine. Here's nine groups of words that you can just okay. enjoy. Okay. Don't ever take yourself away. 
Don't fall apart on me tonight. The tonight really that that makes that title. Don't fall apart on me tonight. You can do it another day, just not tonight. Is tonight is tonight in parentheses? No, but I'll I'll, I'll, oh, be, I'll be sure even, I'll be sure to tell you when the parentheses start that start been flowing. Even <laughs> Someone's got to hold on my heart, sweetheart like you. Tight connection to my heart. Parentheses. Has anybody seen my love? Question mark and parentheses. <laughs> Great. Seeing the real you at last. Emotionally yours. So I'm trying to do this straight, but it just gets it gets it gets to be too much. Straight A's in love is a song that Bob Dylan wrote and recorded in 19 whatever. When the night comes falling from the sky, which is actually not a bad song, but when the night comes falling. That's the apocalypse. I don't know what that means. Uh-huh. Okay, that was nine song titles. Do you want me to read them again real quick? Or do no, you, no, you got I got them. Nope, you got them. All right. Nobody needs to hear them again. Do it. The worst one is Straight A's in Love. <laughs> By far. Straight A's in Love. I had to check to see that that wasn't a cover of like a 1950s chubby checker song or something. <laughs> that are like the Ramones, you know. That's true. The yeah, they could have done that. Straight yeah. A's in Love. Rock and Roll High School. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with my favorite one is Emotionally Yours. <laughs> emotionally Yours. Emotionally Yours, because that feels like, it just kind of flows nicely. It feels like, it feels like the name of a parody band. <laughs> now, if we wanted to... Doing this exact same music. If we wanted to start... Here is, uh, an, here's Bob Dylan from Emotionally Yours. <laughs> emotionally Yours. With his new track, Straight A's in Love. <laughs> Tight connection to my heart, parentheses, has anybody seen my love? There's a question mark in it. <laughs> but I couldn't remember that whole title. That was my other favorite one. Chaz is like the one with the question mark in it. <laughs> in the Inside the parentheses. Oh, man. I love that. I love it. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to points because it's just it's such a quagmire. I just want you to know before we move on that I listened to every, I listened to every song on this, mm-hmm. on this thing. I really did. You know? I don't. I believe you. I know you and would. And it was painful at times. It was a challenge. Probably more than once. No, not more than no? once yet. Some of them I, was, I have. I was thinking at least. I was thinking at least twice. Some of them I have because, uh, you know, there's ten songs that I really love. So I was, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of, I kind of, I did my own little, you know, how they do that like best of bootleg series thing. Yeah. Like they sell the one CD or the two CD version. I did that for myself. Okay, moving on. I didn't think there was a never-ending tour this year, last year. There was. Also, can we can we admit that the tour ended? No, the, we ne- can't. the never-ending tour ended. No, Jake? it didn't. No, 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 no. You're wrong. It was on hiatus, a forced hiatus. He would have toured oh, that entire true. time. It's true. He did cancel it the tour. He only he had it all scheduled out. It was there. All right. It was ready all to right. go. Now look, you can't you can't be like, hey, you screwed up, Bob, because you know the I'm virus. The, the virus up. screwed up. Look, look, I'm not blaming it on Bob. I'm just saying that the tour ended, you know? Yeah. Whatever the circumstances. It did it. It did it. Good or bad, he wanted to do it. He tried. But there's some things even Bob Dylan can't control. Well, he can't control it, but it did not end. Number one, forced hiatus. And number two, <laughs> coronavirus. Except he's going to live forever. So even if he got it, maybe he has. I don't know. No big deal. No biggie. Uh, he went on a tour starting in. I believe it was November, uh, the beginning of November, probably just as soon as he could find venues that would open up for him. 
I would think. Yeah. And those did not include anything on the West Coast. We don't have, we still don't have very many concerts out here, um, unless they're outdoor. But there's a lot of indoor places that were opening up at the end of 2021 in the Northeast. So that's where he went. He did 21 dates. And at the same time that he announced that he was going to do 21 dates, uh, which he did successfully do. And I guess he was in, like, really good spirits. He was joking with the <laughs> audience. He normally doesn't even talk to anybody when he's on stage. I guess he must <laughs> have missed... Does he know any jokes? He must have missed the camaraderie. Yeah, well, you know, like when he did the uh, his radio show. Um, oh, sure. He had jokes then. Some Did of them he bring were... back an episode of his radio show? Is that you coming to that? What's that? Didn't he bring back his radio I show? I think that was 2020. Oh, okay. There was a whiskey episode because he released his own line of whiskey. Right. And so he right. had to do a whiskey episode of his podcast, you radio show, uh, hawking his own whiskey. Yeah. Because he needs the money after that 400 million windfall he nailed down. <laughs> uh, and, I, you know, I guess it went well. Everyone was happy to see him again, just like... Anyone who went to a concert in 2021 was just happy to be, you know, alive and at a concert, you know, safely or, or not. Uh, but he also on his website. Now we don't we don't have details, but he he said that he was not only doing these dates at the end of 2021, but he announced that he was doing a never-ending tour for the next three years. Oh, but so he's making up for lost time. He's like, well I'm done. just going to do well it. Well done. <laughs> Guess Let's what? Try doing three shows a day. <laughs> three shows a day. 360 days a year. You know, <laughs> in observance of some Jewish holidays, which he may be, uh-huh. still be Jewish. Who knows? And uh, yeah, that'll be that. It'll be a thousand shows <laughs> a year. 3,000 more coming right up for you, Bob Dylan fan. And I think, Chaz, that that's everything that I have for Bob Dylan in 2021 until we get to points. All right, well, let's do the weird game here, and let's okay. fly through it. We're, uh, we're taking up a lot of time here, Jim. That's great. I think we should go for it. Who cares? <laughs> Nobody's time is that valuable, Chaz. All right. Uh, <laughs> my game, which I, I feel like I should have I should have named, because that's kind of my thing, and I, did, I didn't name it. It's some sort of... The idea came to me when I was reading... Dick, Chris, I, already, I already know the name. I got right, it right now. What is it? Triplicate. <laughs> Clearly. So right. Oh, man. Chaz, three that's... Three groups of three, Jake. It's triplicate, triplicate. It's triple, triplicate. That's why we pay you the big bucks. And by <laughs> we, I mean we, you and I as leaders of this podcast. Yep. Oh. You're getting a sweet bonus check this year for that. <laughs> okay, babe. It'll be, it. it'll be some leftover food from my pantry. Uh, I got this. It's been mailed from Oregon to Minnesota, from Washington to Minnesota. That's right. It's be really, it's be really good by the time it gets here. It's corn, it's canned corn. <laughs> Yum. Mmm. Mmm. Delicious. Mmm. Uh, I got this idea when I was reading Pitchfork last week, and one of the headlines was David Byrne and Yola Tango cover Yoko Ono, and I was like, <laughs> whoa, this is like, this is like. Nerd Chaz Music Karaoke. Like, those three names just in the... Them plus them covering them made me think, I gotta send this to Chaz and see, you know, what he thinks of it. And then you look through the rest of the playlist and you're like, whoa, this, this thing is stacked. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is stacked. It's a stacked list. And then you said some nerdy thing uh, covering oh, another nerdy thing. <laughs> it makes a lot Gear of sense. Hook covering the song No, No, No is their very reason for existing, okay? That's right. I just say that. I'm not even a gigantic Yoko Ono fan. No, I know. I got, but, I got some of her music. But, but you dabble. I dabble, and I am a gigantic 
Talking Heads and Yellow Tango fan. Yeah, and you. So those you, two coming together covering you. Yeah, yeah. You do this. You do this avant-garde thing. You know, sometimes yeah, where it's like I Yoko do. Ono screaming sure. on tape. Yes, please. I'll take some of that. <laughs> It's small doses. Yeah, small doses, small doses. So it got me to thinking, what other artists, could Chaz and I figure out artists for each other, um, put them into a hat, or kind of put them together to just three names, name plus name covering name, that would, uh, that would you know, titillate the other person. <laughs> Bad choice of words, Jake. That's what I'm here for. So I put my name, you can hear this, everybody, you can hear this. These are nine names of bands or artists in a hat. And I'm jiggling them because I'm about to randomly pick out from my random name generator three names for Chaz here. And he's going to pick out his favorite one, and I'm going to pick out my favorite one for him. The first one, Chaz, is Charlotte Gainsbourg. And Bat for Lashes. Cover new! Exclamation point. What do you think of that? Noi. It's Noi. Noi. Thank you. What do you think that of that one so far? Awful. That would be really good. <laughs> Charlotte. Okay. Next one. Early Gainsbourg and Bat for Lashes together. I can see that one. I but covering Noi? Noi, they're both just like Charlotte Gainsbourg is just a singer. Terrible? And Noi is all instrumental. Terrible or titillating? Terrible. <laughs> All right, next up. I just can't even like wrap my brain around what that would even be. But it would how be, that would even work? It would Anyone be, covering Noi? It would be rad, is what it would be. All right, <laughs> Joanna Newsom and Talk Talk covering Fiery <laughs> Furnaces. Yes. <laughs> what do you I think can of see that? Joanna Newsom and Talk Talk being together. I can see that one too. But covering Fiery Furnaces? No. That part, I don't know. Nope. Can't, can't see All that. All right. Part. Well, we're, everything's, everything's riding on this third one then. Okay. <laughs> Air and Arthur Russell, deceased, covering Beth Gibbons from Portishead. What do you think of that? If that, okay. was, if that were possible. Yeah, I could see that one. Okay. So, obviously, the funniest one is Charlotte Gainsbourg and Bad for Lashes covering Noi. It's anybody covering Noi, yep. Anybody covering Noi would be great. And I think the best one would be, I guess, Aaron Arthur Russell covering Beth Gibbons. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to respond to these, Jake. No clue. Yeah, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not selling this very good, but that's okay. <laughs> I was never quite sold. You didn't quite sell it to me, I think, in the first place. On I, know, I might have been a little more excited about it than you were. But you, you, uh, you decided to take ten names and actually craft them in order I to... I put them together. I made choices as to who is doing You're who. trying to I'm tug on my heartstrings and get me excited. I'm feeling pretty good about these. I think you're going to want these All to right. happen in real life. All right. Tell them to me. All right. I'm ready. Number one is Pearl Jam and Nico Case. Oh, my gosh. Covering Van Morrison. Okay. 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 I'm, I just passed out. Go ahead. Okay, I know. Keep I know going. You. Neil Young and Beach House <laughs> covering the Jayhawks. Oh, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> and All right. 1990s Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, the good Smashing Pumpkins. And Radiohead. <laughs> Covering Led Zeppelin. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, that last one sounds like five or six tracks that I downloaded off of Audio Galaxy that corrupted my computer in the early 2000s. Because <laughs> that's how they got you to click on stuff. It was like Bob Dylan and Radiohead covering Neil Young. You'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Never happened. It was like, 
It was like the Backstreet Boys, but it also destroyed your computer. <laughs> it was just a virus, just a straight virus. Um, okay, so that one is that one's too ridiculous for me. Um, it's too it's too heavy hitting. Pearl Jam, you know they've covered everybody. Like Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam cover everybody. Yeah. I think. Them and Nico Case covered them. Yeah, that that one felt like the most realistic. I could almost I think, see that happening. Yeah, and I don't know what Pearl Jam's relationship is to Nico Case. You know, I kind of hope that Nico Case stays away from them to preserve the purity <laughs> and goodness of Nico Case. Uh-huh. Uh, that would be a, that would be a classic though. But I think <laughs> I think Neil Young and Beach House covering the Jayhawks. <laughs> oh man, sign me up! Is that album length or is this one song? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Man. Your imagination, Jake. You go for it. Well, I'm, hey. gonna, I'm gonna go to sleep and dream about it. Sounds Let's great. Let's talk about David Bowie for for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, five or six. That's fine. We have that. All right. <clears throat> you ready for this, Jake? I'm ready. Hit me. All right. Let's do it. So, David Bowie in 2021. Now, first of all, if you remember the 2020 episode, I went month by month because there was release in every single month of the year. Yeah, I remember. I am still. I'm still bored. Was, I'm still bored. They by started it. up upping the ante. In 2021, there was a new Bowie product released on the second, third, fourth, fifth, seventh, and eighth weeks of the year. <laughs> oh my gosh! Settle in, folks. After that, they, they calmed they calm down a little bit. After that, Settle they really in. were going for it. Um, let's get in a quick little segment here of Bowie's fat stats. Oh, Bowie! Bowie's fat stats. So there are 19 physical releases in 2021. That's down from previous years. Uh, 11 of them were exclusive to the Bowie store. Oh, great. The greatest shop on earth. To, two were exclusive to brick and mortar, mortar stores. So, you could only get six of them from any kind of regular store. Like, you can just six of them, you could actually order from, you know, a normal place. So you spend your whole year running around trying to get all these things. That's right. doing nothing else. If you were to purchase all physical formats of all physical products, it would set you back a cool nine hundred ninety-five dollars and sixty-four cents in twenty twenty-one. Hey, under under a grand, not too shabby. That's not counting shipping. <laughs> and then also, for some reason, there were four streaming-only singles this year. Three of them featuring exclusive tracks only available on streaming that you can't even buy. You can't even buy the track digitally. Uh, streaming only. Nobody can see me, but I'm shaking my head. Like what? Yeah, I know. It's not right. Right. All right. So the year kicked off with a continuation of what they started in 2020, which was Brilliant Live Adventures. Oh, great. Described widely as <laughs> the worst release in history. <laughs> so for those of you remembering, because we did talk about this in 2020, because it started, the first ones came out in October. Yes, yeah, so oh October and November, the first two segments. It's six live albums. Five of them were brand new. They released approximately a month apart over the course of late 2020 into early 2021. Wow. The start in October, they, they missed December. It was October, November, January, February, March, April. <laughs> what? They missed December? Why? Uh, it was supposed to go on December, and I don't know, probably Christmas and stuff. Anyway, so what we really want to dig into here, Jake, is what made it so incredibly bad? What made it the worst release in history? I feel and like so that's, a, that's, a little, that's a little hyperbolic, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, well, it is a little hyperbolic, but it, it only a little. Just slightly. Um, so I have a series of true or false questions for you to mm-hmm. help us pin it down, Jake, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to make a statement, you're going to tell me true or false. I got a whole bunch of them. So. I'm, really, <clears throat> I'm, really, I'm really ready for this. Okay, good. Two choices? Yes, please. All right. Brilliant Life Adventures could only be bought through the official Bowie store. That's true. That's true. Yep. Absolutely true. Yes. 
Prices were greatly inflated. About $17 for a single CD in a basic cardboard sleeve or about $40 for a double LP. You can't make that up, so that's true. Yep. Or you wouldn't make all it up. Six, all six releases had to be purchased separately, so you had to pay separate shipping on each one. True. True. That was also true, yep. Unbelievable. Shipping was about $7 per CD because oh. apparently the Bowie store is unaware of the Wonders of Media Bail, which would be less than $3 in the United States. I am shocked and dismayed to say that's also true. That's also true, yes. Oh, this I is know. terrible. I know. This is we're terrible. Just, we're, just, we're just getting started. Oh, my gosh. All right. True or false, Brilliant Light Adventures cheated on its wife with at least 10 women over a five-year span. <laughs> uh, it's she, wait, the, the actual box set cheated on its... <laughs> yes, yep, it, it's yep. married... Now, is it married to another box false. set? Is just it, true or false, Jake. I, that, that's false. Come on. That's false. Yep. Uh, you saw through that one? Good. Yeah. Brilliant Light Adventures is awful, but to my knowledge, it never cheated on its spouse. <laughs> I just so want to know if the box. I just want to know if box sets only marry other box sets, or if there's some sort of like what what would a wife of a box set be? Probably Brilliant Adventures, the other box set that came out from Bowie in this year. Great. All right. An- okay. Question answered. Next one. Along with the music, the box was sold separately as well. Oh, gloriously true. We true. joked about this for like six months. That's true. And it cost $15 for the CD box or $22 for the vinyl box. Oh, I would have paid more for the vinyl box and put the CDs in it, but that's also true. <laughs> uh, plus shipping. Yeah, well, yeah, seven bucks, right? True. True, yep. <laughs> true, true, true. And the box is sold out within two days. Also true. Also true. <laughs> Uh, Brilliant Life Adventures dumped billions of gallons of crude oil into the Pacific Ocean, killing untold marine life. Uh, well, uh, it sounds like something it would do, but I'm going to say false. That's correct. And you saw that one again, Jake. Well oh, done. Good. Brilliant Life Adventures is awful, but it's caused no environmental calamities, to my knowledge. No, not yet. Yes, not yet. Anymore. Not yet. Not, not, yet. By, it, not that I know of. The fifth and sixth releases of the six releases... Sold out in a half an hour on vinyl and two hours on CD. That's true. That is true. One of the European sites crashed immediately after the sixth one was put up for sale, making it impossible for customers to order. Also true. Also true. Mm. On November 22nd, 1963, the Brilliant Live Adventures shot and killed President John F. Kennedy in Dallas, <laughs> Texas. Well, we don't know who did that, so I'm going to say that's we're still to t- TBD. Yet to be determined. That one is false, Jake. Uh, these what? shows weren't recorded until the 1990s, so oh, it was not able to shoot President it. John F. Kennedy. I was doing so, so well. And you were doing really well. That's only one. That's only one wrong so far. Shooty, shoot. Okay. Due to a completely unaddressed error, the first track on releases number five and number six are the exact same recording. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Boxes were put up for sale a second time, but were oversold, and many people who ordered one didn't get them after all. True. That's also true. This is unbelievable. In 1932, Brilliant Live Adventures kidnapped and ultimately murdered the Lindbergh baby. Okay, we don't know who did that either, so I guess it could be true. That's TBD. That one's also false. Oh. Again, shows recorded in the 1990s. Oh. This was in 1932. You know, I think you thought... Same era as last time. Same era as last time. You'd think I would have learned, but I didn't. You'd think, yeah, yeah. In spite of the fact that they were clearly intended to align this with the era-based boy box sets... The boxes are different sizes in both CD and vinyl, so they don't look right in the shelf next to uh, Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. That happens, that happens outside of the Bowie camp all the time, but yep. it drives me nuts. At a couple different points, emails were sent out by the Bowie store with coupons to apologize for delays and lack of stock. These coupons were not good for media. What were they good for? <laughs> true or false, Jake? 
Well, obviously true, but I really need okay, to know what they were good for then. T-shirts? T-shirts. T-shirts. Okay, okay. Merch. Store, merch. You merch. You cannot buy video or music. You cannot buy music with the coupons on the David Bowie official store. Oh my That's gosh, true. this is crazy. All right. Next one, Brilliant Live Adventures invaded Poland on September 1st, 1939, thus precipitating World War II. Wow. Well, now we're doing a Hitler thing, which you can't joke about anymore or ever. And so I'm going to say that's that's false. I'm going to say it's false. Well, well done, Jake. Thanks. Also, shows weren't recorded until the 90s. This was 1939. So. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. like, Hitler did that, not the David Bowie 1990s box set. That's true. All right, true or false. Parlophone, Parlophone, Bowie's label, publicly apologized for the whole campaign. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I'm going to read that apology right now. Oh, great. We are aware that a number of fans have had a poor <laughs> shopping experience during the Brilliant Live Adventures campaign, and for that, we are very sorry. Oh. We also recognize that due to the unexpected demand, unfortunately, many of you have been unable to purchase certain titles and subsequently missed out on the opportunity to complete your collection. In the coming weeks, we'll provide you with further details of how and when we will be making these titles available to you once again. Once again, we apologize and thank you for your patience and continued support. <laughs> All right, next true or false statement. In spite of this announcement being made of March of, 19, of 2021, nothing has been mentioned about it whatsoever since June of 2021. I guess that's true. So they prom- ap- promised in the apology that they make these uh, titles available. They're and not they available, nor have they even said a thing about it in seven months. Wow. Did that's, you, that's unless you're, are you, you're still true going. False, I'm almost okay. done. You're still going. Prove this last one. True right. or false Brilliant Live Adventures very, very nearly pushed me, a guy who hosts a Bowie-themed podcast, to stop buying Bowie products. Uh, yeah, I remember that. You were That's very, true. You were distraught. We had a talk around that That's time. That's true. I mean, you're talking about, like, Super Deluxe Edition Therapy. This is a good session Oh, right this here. is a huge... This it's is going to take me months. This is way more traumatic than what I'm talking about later. Anyway, that gives you a little taste of all that. So, I did manage to get all of them on CD with box... I can't Vaguely believe hitting it. myself the entire time. So did you pay the, the 17 plus the 7 each and every time? The entire set, hold on here, the entire set, which is six releases, that's seven CDs total, one of them was a double, all the rest were singles. Yeah. No deluxe packaging or book. Yeah. Cost me, in the end, about $165, including oh, all the shipping. Oh my god. If I'd bought it on vinyl, it would have been almost $350, including all the shipping. And that's and that's my guess on what the binding shipple, the binding Vinyl shipping is. I don't know what the vinyl shipping is because I didn't buy it. How does anybody sleep at night with this whole thing? By way of comparison, so 165 for Brilliant Live Adventures. Later the same year, Brilliant Adventures, the other Bowie box set this year, which is 11 CDs, completely deluxe packaging, big old book, was $135 when I bought it with free shipping. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so that's better. So maybe the worst release in history is still a little <laughs> hyperbolic. I say this was a true masterclass in alienating your fan This base. is horrible. If you want to like ruin relations with a very rabid fan base, this is how it's done right here. This, this is, is textbook yeah. right I don't here. know. This I don't know how you could do any How you do it. I mean besides besides charging somebody like $70 per CD that didn't exist and just taking their money with no uh-huh. repercussions, I, that's about the only way you could do worse. Yeah. That's that's horrible. It's impressive. It's, it's impressive. <laughs> it really is. Way to go. And you know there's one guy at Bowie, you know, Bowie.com who's like, oh, I'm going to have to ask my manager. What are, oh. well, like, that was a joke. I, made. I, was, I, I go on the message board sometimes. I was looking, so this got like, to be too much. Oh, yeah. Because every, everything came late, too. Everything took. I didn't even pull that in the true or false. Yeah. The true or false. Releases, used, uh, on average, took two to three weeks to come. 
from the Bowie store after official release date. Oh my gosh. That's what, true this, also. This disgusting. One of mine took him over a month to come after release date. What in the world? From the, from the, from the only store that sells them. You're from yep. the only store, yeah. Yeah. Well, they have only they have only themselves to blame, but also they're still rolling around in money from the whole thing. Exactly. That's crazy. Uh-huh. I didn't know it was that bad. I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was, it was bad. bad. Oh, baby. Wow. Is that like negative 20 points or something? How does that... Well, I mean, you can't blame Bowie for it. Obviously. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and I can't point it up. Like, none of that stuff has to do with the content, with the actual music. Right. Yeah, good except for the Except for the fact that there is a duplicated track on the last two releases. <laughs> it's the opening track! <laughs> oh my gosh, Chaz, we'll that's great. We'll talk about it later, but... So that's the great. pointing will be based on the content, on the music itself, not on everything around it. I think, I think it was long enough ago now, you know, where it's one of those things where it's like... It sucks that I spent all that money, but that money's long gone. Like we've moved oh, on with gone. our lives, so now I think we can laugh about it that you spent all that money on that. I still like. I, I barely listen to it. There's still like a, a little bit of a mental block. I, I can I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Hey, let's uh let's bring things up a little bit by talking about other things that really made everybody <laughs> this year. We're real. Big. Did for that, but we'll we'll get to the repercussions of this. Come back in just a bit. All right, claw, let's all right, claw our right. way out of the ditch here. So this this ended in April, early April. There was another release in May, but this was actually worthwhile. It was called With of a Circle. Okay. And includes uh, like kind of rare and unreleased tracks from around the period leading up to The Man Who Sold the World in 1970. Okay. So, good, good, good like stuff. Little, little 1970 box set. Yeah. Oh. Out, I do remember. It came out close to the Dylan one. Yeah. Was that one of those ones where, like, on, on superdeluxeedition.com or Pitchfork, like, they were, you know, Dil- Dylan and Bowie were, like, back-to-back? Like the I think two- they were, yeah. Yeah, I that's always right. fun when that happens. Yeah, Love it that. was. Um, so this one, it now, long-time fans will know, the conversation piece, a big mm. five-disc box set Love it. Uh, around the Space Oddity album, is my hands-down favorite archival Bowie release. It was just done so well. It's just a beautiful package. All kinds of demos and rare and unreleased stuff in there. It's, it's you know, if, if Charlie had people over during the pandemic, he would put it on the coffee table and he would hope it would be a conversation piece. You know, I wouldn't because I don't want anybody to touch it. Oh, so. that's a good point. <laughs> don't touch I, uh, this conversation. My sons did manage to draw on it in pen within my oh. purchase of it. So, oh, how mad it's were you? I would have been, but it's there. I would have been mad. Anyway, this is kind of a follow-up to that, but it's not as big. There's not as much stuff, and it's a completely different size. It's like a DVD case size yeah. rather than the big old yeah. giant blocks. I wish so that's a little disappointing. It's still the same format. There's still like it's still got a book. It's actually an actual book with two discs in the end, and so that part's pretty good. It's just you know, it's just not the same. It's not even that they don't look good on the shelf here that you can't even put them on the same shelf because the conversation piece is so box is so big. It's got to go on my vinyl shelf. This one goes on my CD shelf, so... You know, I I just gotta say that I don't have to deal with that because the Dylan bootleg series, the Super Deluxe Editions, are the exact same size, all of them. And they look nice. great next to each other. Great. It's nice. It's a nice thing. Like, I stare at them. Rabbit collectors, them. enjoy this. And I don't know how record yeah. don't figure out they can make more money if they make it all the same size. Yes, and like gain some trust, you know, with their constituents. I, I think... But even, with, but even like, if you're completely being a mercenary, you will make more money if you make it the same yes, size. Yes, that's a great point. That's a great like point. Like, I remember these, these David Bowie box sets, the Arab-based box sets. Yes. You know, they released a couple things separately. And uh, they released Changes One Bowie, you know, his first greatest hits collection from 1976. Yep. 
And uh, I looked at him like, I have no reason to buy this. Like, I own it on vinyl, first of all, but also, nice. like, I have all the tracks. If they had made it the exact same size as the other stuff in the box set, <laughs> yeah. I probably would have bought it. And yeah. What I realized was I, I was thinking about it, and then because this was, like, the first one they announced after that. And then I saw it in the store, and I'm like, oh, it's just like a regular old jewel case. No, I'm yeah. not buying that. Yeah, that's boring. And it's not I'm the just same. saying, they could have got me if they just made it the mini LP size well, why don't, that the other ones were. Why don't they realize that? I don't understand. I would have taken out the book and put in all the extra new releases in there so they could all be in their box together. It would have been a beautiful thing. You know what I think the lesson... not to. You know what the, I think the lesson for them is that even after a debacle like what you described earlier, uh, they still sold out in two hours or two minutes or whatever it is that you said. Like, they apparently don't... It, the next time that they put out a... Uh, an archival live show series in this manner or without this manner, are they going to lose sales because of it? It doesn't seem like it. Well, here's the thing. Now, Width of a Circle is clearly already planned and ready to go before they knew just how bad the blowback (laughs) from Brilliant Live Adventures is going to be. Like, Oh my god! It seemed like they waited until the last possible. It was the least amount of time between announcement and release I think that ever happened. Like, they clearly were like, they pushed it back a little bit. Oh. Um, they clearly were a little, like, ashamed, like, you know, they knew yeah. what they were doing. After Width of a Circle, Jake, we mm. have something that I am naming mm. the Dave Cation 2. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why? So the Dave Cation, as you know, was a <laughs> oh. time between 2003 <laughs> I thought we were done talking about the Dave Cation. <laughs> and 2013 when Bowie did not very much. Hey, caramba. The Dave Cation, maybe a better name would be the Dave Cation Jr. It's Dave Cation Jr., I don't, you know, none of this works for me. Harlefone hid their heads, they hid their hands in shame from the Brilliant Live Adventures debacle, <laughs> and we had six months without a product release of any kind. Oh, it's like going through the, the desert with the no water. It's the longest period without a Bowie product <laughs> since before he died. Oh my gosh. I mean, how did you, how did, how did you survive, is what I'm asking. Well, uh, you know, I had a, not much money to keep me warm, so I was able to, like, <laughs> build that back up a little bit. Not so much as a tagged picture disc or exclusive colored vinyl release. No, unnecessary streaming singles. Wow. Nothing. It came out at all for two days short of six months. Well, I guess I guess uh, that was the lesson they learned. They were like, let's not abuse this any further for just six months. Get I think they just figured out that they actually, like, they had hit the ceiling somewhere. Like, they had yeah. actually finally crossed the line. Right. They were flirting on it. They were on that line. They were dancing on the line mm. for years. <laughs> and they finally went over it. And then they went, like, a mile past it. Oh, yeah, way past it. And it took them six months to get back. Yeah. They fell into the canyon. All their legs were broken. Arms. Yep. Everything. But they're like, we're still alive. How do we get back up there? <laughs> they healed themselves. They climbed back up the mountain. And yep. in November, they released the fifth era box set for Bowie. Wow. Which had not, we hadn't had one for three years. Yeah, I know. Try. Confusingly called Brilliant Adventure, not Brilliant Live Adventure. I can't even, what is, oh, unbelievable. Well, Brilliant Adventure is the name, it's the name of a song on there on ours, but, you know, anyway. Okay, but just the, I mean, they had to have been able to have the time to change that. Maybe they didn't have time to change that. Maybe that was another <laughs> yeah, whoopsie. I don't know. But come on. I don't, with, with the vinyl backlog, I've been reading about this, so how long it's getting vinyl to be pressed. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they might not have had time to change anything. No, I mean, that's the only explanation, except that they're idiots. But, I mean, to to name the, the worst release ever, Brilliant Live Adventures, and then the follow-up, Brilliant Adventures, is... Well, just... they clearly intended the two to go together. Yeah. I don't know why Brilliant Live Adventures came out before Brilliant right. Adventure. Right, right. That sure, doesn't make sense I'm not sure what either. the thinking was on that one, but... Anyway. Uh, yeah. 
The uh, the back that covers 1992 to 2001, and it most notably includes the finally an official release of the album Toy. Ah, Toy! Hey! We talked about it a lot in 2001 episode. We sure did. It was supposed to be released. It's Bowie's truest lost album. Yeah. It was, like, recorded and ready to go, and he would have released it, and his record label didn't want to, and then he left that record label and never released it. But it came out. So Toy is that one. It's him doing new versions of his own songs, from 1964 to 1970, and also one new one. And it's solid. <laughs> okay. Now, are you going to... So, Toy also got its... Is getting, this is one of the classic Bowie. It's just, you know, they got to screw up everything. Yeah. So, the day that they announced Brilliant Adventure box set, including Toy, they also announced a separate Toy box set. <laughs> like, toy, I, I think it was just so they could use the name Toy Box. They feel like that's the only reason. Yeah, that's good. That's and good. it includes a one disc of identical material to Brilliant Adventure. I'm shaking my head again. You can't see it, but I'm shaking. Now it's two different box sets on the same day with different two different release dates with one disc of identical material. <laughs> I is there? There's not another campaign, another artist it's brilliant. as it's brilliant. Uh, as hefty historically as Bowie that has these problems, right? Is I can't there? imagine. I, I mean, feel like I would hear about it. I know Neil Young has been back and forth with record Neil labels Young's, and stuff. Yeah, he's got some weird stuff going on. He's got on. some weird he, stuff. He it's true. And just the volume of stuff that he has in his archives is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of lends itself to different box sizes and duplicate tracks and all this kind of yeah, stuff. But he Bowie, might be the closest. He might be the closest one. Yeah, but Bowie's like, people are still buying every single thing. They're snatching it up. Mm. Yeah, oh well. It's because he died. It's because he died. That's it. You got it. I mean, he'd be, he'd be in good shape if he were still alive, but he wouldn't be in as good a shape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So That's Toy got its own box set. It was released. And we're we're uh, recording this on January 8th. It was released yesterday. Oh. Mine is not, mine's not supposed to come in the mail until Monday, so. Well, everything's screwed up with shipping these days. So. But you, you know can't. what I can do, Jake, is just listen to that one disc that's going to be in the box that I'm getting, <laughs> which I already have. You, so, might as well, you might as well get a sneak preview of exactly what's going to be on. Of what's going to be disc one. So you bought, you bought both. You bought both, I bought obviously. All, obviously. Well, I don't, I don't. obviously. Now, are you going to, maybe you'll do this in points, but are you going to talk, are you going to talk about the cover of Toy? Or are we going to do that later during the, the, you know, night, the nightmare I, I meant, section? Of our- I meant to ask you about this before we started podcasting, and I didn't. Um, I don't know how to point Toy because it is a brand new album, but it came in this box set. It feels more like it should be pointed next year because it came out because the back, actually this box is coming out in twenty twenty two. It feels to me like uh-huh. that's the time to, to point Toy. Sure, as its own separate you can album. point you can point Toy whenever you want. I'm talking about okay. the nightmare picture that is on the cover. Toy is a nightmare picture on the cover. It's everybody. terrible. It's it's a it's a picture of him as a baby yes. with his face from two thousand yep. superimposed over the baby's face. Right, but it also has kind of a horror movie kind of a feel to it. Like the, yeah, the really font awful. of toy is it looks like one of those it looks like um I don't think that had come out yet, but like the grudge or something. Like one of those Japanese horror movies. Oh like the ring or something? Yeah, like the that? ring, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. Apparently, that's what Bowie wanted. Like that was the cover he wanted. Well, clear, that clearly, clearly. But I, I don't like it. It makes me okay. uncomfortable. All right. Very quickly before we go to points. All right. And then we should go through points somewhat quickly. I don't know. Quickly. You're in here, Jake. You're in here. Oh yeah, I forgot to do your intro. You go ahead. So I'm going with you know because we had so many releases here. I'm going with long and luxurious because Ooh. this is what his hair looked like in 1970. Okay. During the Man Who Sold the World yep. era. Like a beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then this is also what it was looking like in 2000, 2001 when he was recording 
toy. Yeah. It was long. It was long, luxurious then too. That makes, I mean, that's a great, that's a great look. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, Bob Dylan's Which here. That, that was, that was definitely the longest in 2000. That was like the longest he had it since 1970. Yeah. And he looked great. He had smocks. He had the smocks going on. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So what do you give it? What? How many? How many points do you give his hair? Uh, split uh, split between nineteen seventy and two thousand. I'm gonna go with. A, I like this hair. I'm gonna go four. Gonna yeah. Go four. I don't, yeah. You know, that, I think that that's reasonable. Yeah. That's reasonable. Uh, Urine fro. Bob Bob uh, was out there, you know, on on tour, and so we have some pictures of his. The fro is again just it's 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 really ballooning out and all you know in all ways so like the mullet fro there's 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 a there's kind of a paradigm of the fro where it's up and out but also the mullet's really really long so it's a mullet mm-hmm. it's a mullet fro as well and the mullet mm-hmm. is kind of distinct but it's also just as curly but what but but what sets it apart is that he has the pretensions that he had earlier uh, you know in this decade uh about dying it black Gone. Oh yeah. We don't yeah. need that anymore. Let it go gray. It's just totally like gray. It's not like Santa Claus white or anything. It's still really you know dirty and nasty looking, but it's like <laughs> way more gray whitish. So, okay. Hey, good for him. That's what we've got going. You're in front. That's why. That's really why we went <laughs> prematurely gray. The two of us was in honor of absolutely what Bob Dylan's hair should look like. <laughs> yeah. If and now we just need to stop cutting it forever and let it grow into a huge fro. Mine never had to go into a huge fro. No, I would have. I think I'd have more David Bowie hair than I would Bob Dylan hair. Yeah. Yep. I'd have some pretty wavy, wavy nice. All right, clean it up, Dick. All let's right. So thing. here's the points. Now let's just start with the never-ending tour, which uh, resumed without my knowledge because it was all on the East Coast, and I guess I didn't get the email about it. <laughs> uh, he he did. He did 21 dates in the Northeast. I guess it was it was a joy. He uh, did a lot of his new songs because he never got to tour from his last album, Rough and Rowdy Ways. From his 20. most recent comeback. Yep. And one of his best comebacks ever. Great album. So he actually played some of those songs. He's kind of famous for just soldiering forward with the same 12 songs that he always plays all, all the time. But I guess he mixed it up a little bit. He's, uh, he's chatting with the audience, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to give it a plus 0.5. I don't know that it was notable, you know. It was only notable because the pandemic uh, allowed him to actually play again. Uh, But good times by him. But there's something I forgot to mention uh, before. He released a concert film online uh, last year called Shadow Kingdom. And in something that we're all going to look back on in future generations, you know, 30, 40 years from now, and decide... This is something that definitely happened in 2021. Okay, so he uh, it was a live streamed on a online platform called Veeps.com. 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 A live. It was streamed live. People thought it was a concert, but when they tuned in, when they paid their whatever amount of money, and I remember hearing about this, I just neglected to pay the money because it was only uh-huh. it was only going to be available for. While it was happening. So people thought, this is Bob Dylan's first concert since 2019. We're going to stream this live. It turned out to be a concert art film featuring Bob Dylan and a backing band that were wearing masks. This is what makes it very 2021, like medical masks. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. uh, in front of a live studio audience who are also possibly actors who are like just there to like look cool and drink whiskey and stuff while they were watching him play. <laughs> Was it uh, was it Dylan brand whiskey? Uh, probably, 
I didn't see any. No, I didn't get to watch it. It's not available. Like uh, you can watch a couple of the the, the films on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you can listen to the music on YouTube, and the music's good. But he was doing old songs, but in really? new creative kind of Americana versions. It wasn't his normal band. He had he had different band members doing it. So it sounded really good, uh, but people tuned in thinking they were going to see a live Bob Dylan concert, and they got a black and white concert art film instead. <laughs> uh, directed by oh, Alma Horel, who is an Israeli-American filmmaker. Uh, and from what I saw, the couple songs that I, that I saw, it, it looked awesome. I wish that I had tuned in. I'm sorry I missed okay. it. And it's not okay. available anywhere anymore. So maybe Bootleg Series Volume 52, you know, we'll get, yeah. we'll get this concert art film released. Um, Sounds great. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of, I want to give that a, a plus one or plus 0.5. I don't know how to, I don't, he's never really done anything like that before. What do you think of that? What is that? Um, concert I mean, art it's, film? It's got, I would say it's out of one. Like the Bowie yeah. live shows and stuff have been out of one. So yeah. It's up to you, you know, how, how good you think it is. Well, I didn't get to see the whole thing. So I'm going to give it, I'll give his tour a 0.5 and I'll give Shadow King a 0.5. So all of his live stuff ends up being plus one. How's that? Yeah. All right. Next up, we have uh, Bob Dylan 1970 with special guest George Harrison. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a little bit of a misnomer because George Harrison and Bob Dylan did indeed jam in 1970 during this mess of recordings and demos that he was doing for all of the self-portraits that he was going to unleash upon the world for the next 50 years. Uh, but George doesn't figure that much into it. He's kind of like noodling in the background. He sings, sure, sure. he sings a couple songs. Like it's notable, just like it would have been notable if Dylan and Johnny Cash got together and jammed, which they did. Uh, right, in 1969. Exactly, which was one of the, uh, that was Bootleg Series Volume 15, released last year, or 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so George is just there, but he's not really the star of the thing. Uh, the star is Bob Dylan somehow ringing any more good songs out of this period that sound good, that are like different enough from the other versions. It's crazy. And it's three discs. And I was imagining, because it's a copyright dump, I was imagining a total slog. I was imagining yeah, like yep. almost unlistenable little fragments of things, uh, that kind of thing. But most of them... Gosh darn it. Most of them were, like, fun to listen to. I can't believe it. I was shocked. You think there's one more, you th- you think there's one more self-portrait in there? I, it's hard to imagine, but, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. We've had five so far. <laughs> what's one more, you know? No, what's... <laughs> I don't know how you what, would do it, to be what's honest. What's the worst one out of these five? <sighs> the worst the one, first is... one The first one was not loved. Oh, it was, it was reviled. I would say that the... I would say that the 1973 Dylan um, thing is the worst one because of the bad blood that was going on between him and Columbia. Mm. Like it was clearly, it was clearly a you know kind of a vengeance release <laughs> mm-hmm. or a jealousy release or something by Columbia. They're like, look what we own. <laughs> it's like revenge porn. You just like releasing out there to hurt the yeah, person. You know, you and I both unethical. Know. No one's okay with it. No one's okay with it. Everyone's like, ew. And it like... But everyone's to, still like, oh, wait, but it's Dylan? And it went to okay. number... And it's right, like, it has to be... It's in the list of official albums. You yep. know, it's in there. It's generally considered the worst one. I don't think it's that bad. It's just weird. That's where he covers like Big Yellow Taxi and and a couple other you know country songs. It's the absolute dregs. That's more dregs than Bob Dylan 1970. 
even though it was released, you know, almost 50 years ago. So I kind of liked it. I would, I would listen to one of the discs again, for sure. Uh, so I guess this is out of a possible three because it's a box set. It's it's a no frills box. Of new set. material, yep. Yeah, so I'm gonna give it a plus one point five. Okay. Because I liked it. Uh, and then we're gonna move on to the. I think the oh. We'll move on to the bootleg series volume sixteen. Um, this kind of this this is the five disc version. It kind of shuttles back and forth between decent occasionally really good to like pretty terrible um i talked about uh, kind of this reverse instinctual success that he was having um and and the 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 most notable example of that is a song called too late uh which he had written and done some acoustic recordings of during this time which are on the box set that song slowly morphed from being awesome and amazing uh-huh. and like an, a complete like bob dylan can still write an awesome song kind of redemption story into this kind of like washed out, uh, overproduced, you know, sort of neutered version that ended up on infidels called foot of pride. So he changed the name, he changed the chorus. Like it's completely not notable on the album infidels in my mind, but the version on the bootleg series is incredible. It's like one of his, it's one of his best songs. So that's on there. We get to, we get to hear that sort of devolve into, you know, and bad. Um, one of the things I was thinking about this release, or thinking about, uh, you know, him on it, is I think this is the only time, or maybe one of the only times in Bob's entire career that he seeked out real advice and production techniques, uh, where he let other people be in control of his music. So the only other uh, example would be Daniel Lanois. He kind of handed over the reins to him on Oh Mercy and then Time Out of Mind, um, both to great success. But he was, uh, Bob at the time was actively trying to move, you know, out of this Christian trilogy thing. But he was also like, I want to be, I want to, I want to get with it, guys. I want to be with the cool, the cool kids of the production. And with the cool kids. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to ask David Bowie, can you help me out? No. I'm going to ask Mark Knopfler, can you help me out? Who ironically was doing exactly the same thing at the time. Exactly. But Bowie was. He got Nile Rodgers to do it instead. Bowie was extremely successful with that. Right. And Dylan never, never got there. These are his worst albums of his entire career. Um, but I think it's because he wasn't, he wasn't following his own sort of muse for once in the 60 years that he's been recording <laughs> music. You know, his, his thing is he'd go in there, bang out some tunes, you know, however he wanted to do it. He got so famous that Columbia had to release it anyway. And for some reason, he, he just lost his way. He, he like didn't trust his own instincts anymore, and then he had so to get exactly. Him. This is exactly the same thing Bowie was doing, except that Less Dance was yeah, popular, inexplicably and, li- and listenable. Yeah, which is more due to Nile Rodgers than Bowie. And it honestly took Dylan until Time Out of Mind to really, you know, seventeen years later from the from the time of this box set to like really get back to. Uh, to trusting himself again. And now he produces mm-hmm. all of his own albums. They're all either good or great, as in the, as in the case of the last one. So um, he's back. But this was, this was a tough time for him. The 80s were not kind. Um, but that did, that's not to say that he didn't try hard. He tried really hard. A um, lot of recording sessions, a lot of different musicians, a lot of different producers. He seems to believe in the material, uh, he sings the hell out of most of the songs on here, whether they're good or bad. He like really goes for it. Um, 
And, you know, Bowie in the 80s, after, at least after Let's Dance, um, I've heard you say how he kind of phoned it in. He was like, yeah. Oh, he, phoned, he was phoning it in on Let's Dance also. He was phoning it in. And the problem with the albums during this period for Dylan is that he sounds like he's phoning it in, but he wasn't phoning it in. <laughs> he was just, he, he just made all the wrong choices. He just made all that's the wrong never, decisions. That's never let me down for Bowie. Bowie was actually trying really hard there to you go. let me down. It was just awful. And he let you down. He just made all the bad choices. Yep. Yeah. And so that was Dylan for a good, you know, seven-year chunk here, where he just made all the bad decisions. Even when he started working with Lanois again uh, for the first time, he made some good decisions, but then he didn't like those decisions, and he didn't he didn't like them. So he went back to making bad decisions <laughs> for another like eight years after that. So, oh, Dylan. Yeah, but at the, you know, I'm glad. I'm obviously glad this box set exists. It was pretty fun to listen to. It's kind of fun to hear people make mistakes, you know. Yeah, uh, like like when they crack up on SNL. Yeah, exactly. They're cracking up. You know, he did "Sweet Caroline" by Neil Diamond seriously, <laughs> not just as a joke. Um, so I think that the music on the bootleg series um, is a is a one point zero out of a possible three. But then I got to give a, I got to give a full point for the the super deluxe corollary that we have. Yeah, sure, because they're just. I don't even need to explain it anymore. It, no. It's right next to all the other super deluxe editions. They're exactly the same height. They all feel cool. They got that like suede yep, kind of feel yep. to them. Huge book of uh, pictures and essays and anything you could possibly want to know if you want to know it about all of the songs on the thing. So in total, out of a possible you know plus four, I've got a, a plus 2.0 for Bootleg Series Volume 16. Um, and now it's time for super deluxe therapy session. All right, we already did some therapy earlier. Yeah. Bowie, now it's time for We're gonna some do Dylan a, therapy. Some Dylan therapy. So what happened, Chaz, is this thing, this bootleg series was announced. It was announced in all the usual formats. Super deluxe edition, which I always get now, except for the uh, Trouble No More box set from a few years ago. Oh, man. I tried to make it up this year, but it's like still over 100 bucks to buy it. I thought it would be like some fool would be but selling Jake, it for like 50. you're the biggest Dylan fan I knew. I know. Yeah. At least I thought you were. <laughs> you know, I don't want to end up like you, Chess, and spend $170 for a box, basically. Uh, myself. <laughs> Didn't eat for a month. <laughs> My kids are starving. Uh, take out a second mortgage on a house. But alongside, and this is where the therapeutic part comes in, alongside the normal two-CD set, one-CD set, five-CD set, there was a special collaboration with Third Man Records, which is Jack White's mm-hmm. record label from down in Nashville, Tennessee. And it said, exclusive colored vinyl version of Bootleg Series Volume 16. But you have to sign up for their Vault Series, which is a subscription mm-hmm. that you sign up for quarterly. You can unsubscribe at any time. But basically, you pay 65 bucks to pay for whatever it is that they're going to put out in a quarter. And so I signed up for that right away because I knew probably whatever this was. I didn't know how different it would be from the normal Super Deluxe dish edition or whatever. But it had definitely had the word exclusive in the title. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to hit this up. So I went to their website. Mm -hmm. I got signed up. It came in the mail. Great. Like, it was released before the actual Super Deluxe Edition. Um, I got a colored vinyl. Four four vinyl records. Okay. Very sweet. Looks great on the shelf. I was very excited. But then, Chaz, I ordered the Super Deluxe Edition because I could not for the life of me. This is one of those weird internet things that you were trying to rectify earlier. 
I couldn't find out what the track list was compared between. <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't find out. I was like, what? Are, what is I the remember difference? when I talked about this. I thought we figured out that there were like tracks missing from the vinyl. There are. But that's what I found out later is that it's just a condensed version of the Super Deluxe Edition. So it's four vinyl records. It's just missing however many tracks from the Super Deluxe Edition that I ended up buying. So, you know, not, not to shame you for your boy, brilliant live adventures <laughs> this year. I paid, I paid 65 for the vinyl set. And then I paid another which like... Is not, which is not bad for... It's not bad four, at all. For, for four colored vinyl, yeah, yeah. Not too bad. But then I paid another, you know, whatever it was, 90, I think, for the... Mm. So now we're talking... For the all, same box set again. The same box set. So now I'm at 155 bucks. I've only listened to the CD, you know, box set. I put on the vinyl ones, but there was kind of background noise. Um, but I seriously listened to the CD set. So now, what do I do? Do I sell? Do I sell the third man one? It's about a hundred bucks on. It's about a hundred bucks on discards. And, yeah. Hold on. It's it's an investment right now. Jake. All right. It's an investment I've invested. I mean, take usually what you do is look up some of these older vault releases and see what they're selling for now. Ooh, that's a good idea. And see when you know the time is Ooh. the peak time is to sell that that puppy. I'm glad that my insurance paid for this counseling session with you <laughs> on super deluxe therapy session. All right, so how many points you got here, Okay, Jake? so how many points do I have? I have one for the tours. I have 1.5 for Bob Dylan 1970, and I have two for Bootleg Series Volume 16. That comes to a whopping 4.5 okay. for the year. Good year for Bob. All right, so Bowie here. I'm going to start with a little uh, a short anecdote. All right. So uh, for Christmas this year, my kids, and you know, by my kids, I mean my wife. Of course. Uh, got me a Bowie grab bag from the official Bowie store. Yes. They were in like super sale or super cheap. And so I think, it, I think it was 20 bucks for a grab bag of, you know, of shirts and swag and whatever. So I got it and it has three shirts in it. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, so one of the shirts is a cool shirt that fits great. So I'm actually wearing it right now. Oh, that's the one. This is the one right here. Yep. Yeah. Looks great. One of them was Audience. a pretty good one. But it was actually a woman's size because you know, they like you know <laughs> you didn't identify. You said you know men's size, whatever. They literally grab on, like a bunch of stuff. <laughs> throw a it in there. Size, not not a men's shirt. It's a woman's shirt. Um, and there's one really ugly one that's labeled incorrectly and is at least two sizes too large. And this feels like a good metaphor for the Bowie release strategy. Right no. here. <laughs> it's true. One third of it is amazing. One third is pretty good, but there's something just off about it. And one third is just terrible in every conceivable way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Did the um, did the terrible shirt like when you put it on like start on fire or something? Was it like that? Well, bad? that it wasn't a brilliant live adventure shirt. That would have done it. <laughs> oh. All right. So Bowie released five singles in 2021. I'm only gonna count. I'm only gonna count one of them. Okay. Only one of them is even worth accounting. And that is on his birthday last year, they released an exclusive, Bowie-exclusive single <laughs> of two covers, two previously unreleased covers. Yep. One of John Lennon's mother was one side. Oh, wow. And the other was Trying to Get to Heaven by a little what? guy <laughs> Bob Dylan. <laughs> Great. Recorded only months after that album came out, because it's off of uh, whatever came out in 97, his one of his big comebacks in 1987. What was the album? It was Time Out of Mind. Time Out of Mind, yep. Uh-huh. So Boy recorded this like six months, less than six months after that album came out. That was the that was one of the songs that everyone was like, whoa, we got to cover this yeah. one. 
So these are these songs were both recorded in ninety seven, ninety eight, both completely unreleased. I don't think anyone even knew about the mother one existing. I didn't. So know I don't think that. I don't think they're bootlegged or anything. They're not out there. So is it good? It's all right. All it's right. decent. Yeah, it's not amazing, but it's decent. Uh, I give it a point five. All right. Yeah. Uh, next up is Brilliant Live Adventures. We figured out a format for pointing this last year because <laughs> half of it came out in twenty twenty and half of it came out twenty twenty one. Oh my gosh! What a mess. It's separate live albums. You can buy separately, but they go together. We just decided to point it as as if it was two separate new live albums. Okay. Because five out of the six are new. Okay. Only one of them was previously released. So I pointed it last year. I'm pointing it again as if it was a new live album this year. It's the best I could come up with. Sure. <laughs> so we had four of them came out in physical formats this year. Only two of them were actually brand new this year. So liveandmold.com came out physically. That one was the only one that had been previously released, but it was rare. It's decent. It's a compilation rather than an actual live show. It's the only mm. compilation in there, which is kind of weird. And he is only tracks from Outside and Earthling and was uh, from 1997. So only tracks from his 95 and 97 albums. I would have preferred a whole show. It's decent, whatever. I don't know. It's previously released, so no points on that one anyway. Um, and I'm going to... I'm giving you what I would give them if they were individually releases, and I'll tell you what the actual point is for Bring Live Adventures. Does this make sense at all? Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> okay. The next one was Look at the Moon, which is the best of this lot, probably oh, the second baby. best in here. It's the only double CD, triple LP in the set. Uh, it's from 1997. Lots of songs not performed in other shows, including a totally boss cover of Oh Superman by Laurie Anderson. Wow, nice. I know, I can't That's believe cool. anyone ever covered that song, but they did it. With Gail Ann Dorsey singing it, it's awesome. So that one I'd give a two out of possible three if it was being pointed by itself, which is not. <laughs> Something in the Air came out physically, but that was released on streaming the year before. So we're not pointing that one. Okay. And then the last one was Live at the Kit Kat. Live at the Kit Kat. It's by far the worst of the six. A candy bar. It was recorded only a month later than Something in the Air. Uh, almost identical track listing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It only includes two songs that are not on Something in the Air. Okay. It's not the full show. It's missing five songs. <laughs> right. Including two including two new ones that weren't on Something in the Air. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't care about those. <laughs> this is the one that accidentally includes the recording of Life on Mars from Something in the Air. Uh-huh. <laughs> Apparently it was sourced from a promotional-only CD from the period. Oh, yeah. Know. It's not... It's all him and his hours. It's just so boring and so... And the fact, like something in the air, I gave a zero before. Uh, I give this one a negative one. Wow! Wow! A negative one. All. Negative one. Sucky. So, averaging all of that mess together, for Brilliant Live Adventures, we get a point five. It's not worthy of deluxe packaging. <laughs> extra points. <laughs> no. It's fine. It's not bad. It's just like it's just there. It's a point five. Brilliant Live Adventures. Okay. Next up is Width of a Circle, the 1970 yes. book thing with actual great content. It's a great content, very exciting. Definitely the Bowie release I listened to the most this year. Sweet. Hands down, the one I'm most interested in. Can't wait for more of this. Saved the year. I do wish it had more. I wish it was longer. There's no mm. demos on it, but it did have like live tracks and other unreleased stuff, BBC stuff. Um, it's just definitely not as definitive as Conversation Piece or as well-packaged. Smaller package and everything. So... I do get one for content. It's kind of like half released and half unreleased. Okay. And I give it a point five for packaging. Okay. The book is nice. The book is nice. It's a hardcover book, but it's smaller and it could be better. And finally, we got Brilliant Adventure. Not Brilliant Live Adventures. Brilliant Adventure. Hey everyone. Um, this is mostly, it's almost entirely previous released stuff. It's got 
the albums uh, Black Tie White Noise, Buddha of Suburbia, uh, Outside, Earthling, Hours, and then Toy. So the first five completely previously released. There's a whole bunch of uh, rare tracks in the time period. There is a live show, but only one. I don't know why it didn't go on the live box set that they made and they put another live one. I don't know how that works or why that would have you like that. I mean, that. why are you asking questions? Boy, it's the most interesting part. It's really nice to have that finally out. It's a stately, mature, and adult contemporary release. <laughs> That's a little boring. There's no edge to it, but it's pleasant. Hey. And I'm just really I'm glad it's actually out. All right. And I think uh, I think it works best because these aren't classic songs to begin with. Yeah. Stuff from Disney, Juvenalia. If it had been like a, a collection of think, his own hits or something, him covering at the time period, it would have been an absolute disaster. I think so. I think you're right. But like the early, you can't look at the earlier versions and go like, oh, it was so much better when he recorded it in 1965. Right, because nobody cared. You go like, I don't know. He recorded it in 1965 also, but he sounds like he's, you know, 18 because he was. Yeah. <laughs> So I give that one. It's most. This is mostly previously released. So that would be out of one point. I give it a point five for content. All right. And that one. That one does get the plus one for sure. packaging. Of course. It's got the mini LPs, the really oh, nice yeah. book, new interviews and stuff in there. Mm. Mm. It matches the other ones. Yeah, you gotta. You just gotta. So that is a total of four. Dylan fans to pull it out. Wow. Um, and actually, I would have pulled it out just a tiny bit more because I forgot to mention that he did three music videos. Uh, single single music videos. One was Too Late, which is a song I mentioned before that turned into a crappy song. Um, that's a cool. That's cool to hear. And then there's these two <laughs> hilarious time machine videos. Uh, Don't fall apart on me tonight. I described everyone's fashion sense during the the rich mahogany sessions of their early uh-huh. 1980s <laughs> and License to Kill. So I was just going to give all of those together like a point five. Sure, why not? Because, you know, they're not, like, anything revolutionary. But the Too Late Band version, there's, like, sometimes with these box sets, a song will kind of emerge as, you know, this lost classic or whatever. And that was Uh definitely the one that emerged from there. So it was cool that they gave it a single. And that is all. Well, (laughs) hey, hey, that's it. Hey, it's only an hour and a half later. that, ladies and gentlemen... (laughs) Uh, I don't know when we'll do another episode. Probably at some point. I would imagine. Probably before we're next year. Up, come up with, if you got any great ideas for a new show for us, you know, email us yeah. again. at gmail.com. Yeah. Tell us your amazing ideas, and we'll probably just do them. And we'll for sure do if them. If they're amazing. Yeah. If they're I mean, amazing, we'll do if them. they're mediocre, we'll do them. But if they're amazing, <laughs> if they're amazing, we'll also do them. <laughs> <laughs> they're really bad, we won't do them. We're yeah. not. We're not Parlophone here. No, no. If if you want something about Brilliant Live Adventures, don't even email that. So think of the Bowie release strategy, one-third brilliant. If it's a brilliant idea, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. One-third, like, yeah, pretty good, but there's something wrong with it, we'll do that one too. Mm-hmm. One-third, absolutely terrible, we're not going to do that one. No. No, that 34, the 32% t- uh, good the to terrible 66. ratio. 66.666, we're doing that. Yeah. on 33.3, no. Nope. No, we have I think, standards. They're low standards, but we have them. I think everybody. I think everybody would agree that that's what we should All do. Right. With that, I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. So long. Bye. <laughs>